to Book Pile Banter. This is Amberly with Sarah and Kim. Today we are going to discuss The Toymakers, which is by Robert Dinsdale and was published in 2018 by Del Rey. And that's a little fun fact, only because I thought Sarah would find this cool. He grew up in northern Yorkshire. Yorkshire? Yorkshire. Yorkshire. My mouth didn't want to do that. Um, so the plot of this book is Kathy runs away from home when she becomes pregnant at the age of 16. A wanted ad guides her to London in the early 1900s to a magical place where the lost can go to. That was a weird sentence. It's Papa, it's Papa Jack's Emporium. From there, the lives of her, Papa Jack, and his sons slowly unwind through one of the toughest periods in British history, the First World War. Along the way, each of them has to decide who they are and how they will handle the childlike magic required for the magnificent toys the Emporium makes. And Sarah is crouched over trying not to giggle at me because I am just... Stopped. I know. That's why I said trying not to giggle at me because I am having word problems today. It's awfully early if you're having word problems. Don't you have word problems every time we do this? Talk louder. My voice never has a problem coming through <laughs> on these recordings. And yes, I regularly have word problems. It's my brain. So, we're going to start with Kim. What did you think of the Toymakers? I really liked it. You really liked it? Yes. Yes. Uh, fair warning, Sarah. A lot of Robert Dinsdale is on her future want list. <laughs> no, just one major list. No, two, because we did Gingerbread and The Exiles you were interested in. Yeah, I'm more of The Exiles I'm more interested yeah. in. Yeah, anyways. Yeah. So, fair warning. Brace yourself. Consider it the plot of the evil demise that you will do encounter to something that she wouldn't want to read. <laughs> so, you liked it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you mm-hmm. caught me in a swallow. Not giving away your star reading. I was, I'm, I've already got <laughs> what that are in your my thoughts? head. Um, what are my thoughts? I, oh, it, I, <sighs> you word well today too. Okay. <laughs> so should I preface? I got my booster COVID vaccine on Tuesday. I had a. And you're still rolling on it. <sighs> I had a massive... No, I think it was Wednesday. Wednesday. Because you I, took Thursday I, off. Well, no, I got it Tuesday. I worked through Wednesday. That's right. Um, with a with chills, which I don't get a fever. I just get chills. It's yeah. kind of a weird thing, but the chills indicate a fever. I'm not going to explain the whole fever thing. Um, and I'm just really exhausted. My arm, my arm stopped hurting, so that's good. But yes, it's taken this many days, and I'm still whipped. But this is also on the tail end of... Two major trips, one right after the other, and then um, I got the vaccine, and I just need I need to sleep more. Plus, you've started drinking already for tonight. <laughs> I've had one, like three ounces of rum. I don't, you know, how, do you know how much it takes to get me drunk? I just wanted to make you indignant. Yeah. Okay. It takes a lot more than three ounces of rum to even come close to getting me drunk. But anyway. I liked the book. Okay. I did. I liked it a lot. What did I like about it? I love the way it's written. I love um, tripping through history, which I know is one of Sarah's favorite things. Um. <laughs> that was sarcasm for anyone who doesn't understand sarcasm. What, do you say that every time we're sarcastic? Yes. You think there's that many people out there who don't understand sarcasm? Sometimes you guys walk a very fine line as to what people actually have a sounds hard sarcastic. Time when I'm being sarcastic and when I'm being normal, I've noticed. Yeah. yeah. So then I guess they just think I'm an idiot, which is. Oh, I don't think it th- that they think that you're an idiot. I think. Well, no, because that... I'll say something sarcastic, but 
then they like correct me as if I didn't know what I was saying. I'm like, <laughs> obviously, I'm sorry I, that I don't have much of a tone change because my voice is just always like this. But that's good sarcasm in my opinion. So, which yeah. is why I'm used to just saying that was sarcasm, by the way, because okay. I just cut people off before they look at Sarah like she's batshit. Because I usually can tell when she's being sarcastic. There's a few times where I'm looking at her, I'm like, sarcasm? Which people can't see, I'm pointing at her, and she goes, yeah. So, you know, but most okay. of the time I'm countering that for her. But anyway, people can't see your faces to read sarcasm, and sarcasm isn't just a voice thing. It's a full body experience. So. Um, anyway, I really liked it. Okay. What about you, Sarah? What do you think? Well, I mean... You know, I, I just, <laughs> I want to preface this by saying that I don't, I don't want to be a negative Nelly. I really don't. I feel like I keep becoming one on this podcast. I don't read books just to shit on them. I usually enjoy them. Like the books that I choose, I do typically that like. That she chooses. That I choose. I like. I mean, like, I've rated a lot of books on Goodreads, and my average is, like, 3.9, which obviously isn't perfect, but that's still, like, I usually give higher scores than lower scores. I obviously. thought you just said rated online. Or I thought you you said rated, but it sounded like I read it, and I was oh, like, that's that's I great English. It. I I read it on Goodreads. I read this book in three weeks. I did a real good job. No. But it's like, so... I usually like books. I don't want to, like, pick them apart. Um, Just go my route. However. You like to be, you know, critical of what it is that you're evaluating. I, I, but, like, no, I'm, like, not even all the time. Usually I just read them because I just want to enjoy the story, and I don't want to think about it in detail. Um, and, I mean, with that in mind, uh, this book is definitely not one that I would have chosen by any means. Like, the title, the cover art. I wouldn't have picked it up based on that. Let me see the that. cover. It's really Some pretty. Boring cool. toy it's got soldier. pretty gold and, and has a little toy soldier. Like a it's pretty thing. generic, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the cover Simple. art. Yeah. But definitely the name would have turned me off immediately. But if I did, like, if someone handed me the book and was like, read the back of this, and I was forced to read the back of it, I would still put it down because I'd be like, this is not my cup of tea. Um, and going into this, I did try... To have an open mind. Do you try? I know I did because I really wanted to actually like this just so I could surprise y'all. Okay. I love <laughs> like, how you like hey, Spider Man at us there. Well, I was like, I'm sitting in an I appreciate the fact that you want to surprise us by liking something that we choose. <laughs> because we're pretty sure that you come into these things just assuming you're going to dislike it and, no, and going I, from I that. Don't. I don't. No. But I, I, mean, I appreciate the effort. I knew that it was probably a long shot, but I tried. I was like, I'm going to like this and they're going to be so surprised. And I'm like, Ha, I can do it. But the thing is... I knew once we hit the first flashback, I'm like, oh, Sarah's going to hate this goddamn <laughs> oh, thing. Oh, I hated it from the very first... Oh, sorry. <laughs> that was my opinion um, that I was saving. But, um... <laughs> you hated it from the very first sentence. We got that now. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, you can't... What's the first sentence? tried, but you can't force yourself to like something. I mean, so... I'm going to remind people who maybe haven't read it in a while. Something about addressing you as the reader. I was like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> Imagine this magical place walking into these But you know what? What, what, what I will defend, because I didn't particularly care for that either. It's kind of a gimmicky trick. Um, he didn't overplay it. It only came up, I think, three to times the, throughout the entire book. Which fair three t- times too many. <laughs> Technically, the first sentence is, The Emporium opens with the first frost of winter. 
That is true. <laughs> so I guess maybe the minute he said you as the reader, I was, yeah, yeah, I was like, this is not. I was it, like, this better be not all addressed to the reader, where, and it wasn't. Where did you? I love the fact that you're saying he, he, as if it's meant to be the writer who is male that wrote this book, whereas it's meant to be the daughter. Oh, uh, generic, uh, Martha. Martha, yeah. Yeah. I love generic name, yes. Generic <laughs> name. Okay, we finally, name, yeah. so, so it was the second page where it says, come, go in after him. You would not be the first. Ugh. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, I was still trying at that point. Believe me, what, were, just, you? <laughs> were you? Were <laughs> you? In is, retrospect, it is like, a, a gimmick. It's like when you watch a movie well, and there's a voiceover. It's a way to try well, to draw you in or to give a, an overview of the story rather than tell well, the story. And, and that was—I almost read that portion. That portion being this first like four pages as more of like an advertisement, like. Like a commercial, but like a nineteen seventeen commercial, not you know. Well, I didn't reopen the book to read a commercial. But that's how I took it. Is it was like an advertisement. He's talking to, about a toy yeah, it's, store, it's so building the premise or whatever. The yeah. stupid store. The stupid um, store. I said the store. Uh huh. Uh huh. I See, did hear this t- in the sentence. What's so. funny is I read the end of this and I got to that for this little like beginning part. And they goes, they have surrendered, she whispers, and she doesn't care at all for the outrage of our friend, for the money she must pluck from the till and return to his hand. Hands, the soldiers she is staring at are happy now, and it's the most incredible thing. Like, I instantly... Well, that's funny, because I, I, I didn't go back and look at that. Yeah. That's actually talking about the end, when yeah, the, the toys the, had the, been, the, yeah. the soldiers had been changed. And so I spent the entire book going, what caused the soldiers to surrender? What led to that? So I actually thought that first part was a really great way to set up explaining why we need to know all the rest of that information. Yeah. See, that's supposed to be foreshadowing, and now I argue that's terrible foreshadowing. But but I enjoyed it because it kept me pushing forward. So to be clear, we've determined Sarah didn't like it. We have not determined what I felt, which I quite enjoyed it. Um, I, I was the one who picked it because... Uh, we haven't said it yet, but this was our holiday read for the month of December. We were doing a Christmassy style book, but I was trying to find something that wasn't all sugary sweet Christmas because I didn't know that Sarah would take that very well, given the response to the matzo ball um, <laughs> suggestion. <laughs> that didn't even have anything to do with like the holidays. It was just some girl complaining the whole time. Well, we're not Hanukkah. talking about the matzo ball. Yeah, we're not talking about that. And that was Hanukkah. That is a holiday. No, I know, but, but it wasn't but, like focused on that. No, but didn't. Yeah, yeah, so I was trying not to get like a Christmas equivalent of that. I was trying to find something that felt a little bit more non-traditional. I think we, I think we should have done the um, graphic novel Krampus that you have. Have you read Krampus? Krampus? I don't have a graphic novel for Krampus. Oh, you mean claws, claws. Claws, not Krampus. Claws. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah <laughs> Maybe next year. Okay. <laughs> I like that one. It's it's uh, Santa meets the Witcher, <laughs> which I suspect is why you're curious about it now. <laughs> no, no. You actually handed it to me a couple of Christmases ago, and I just, yeah. I wasn't reading then, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, I no. Um, but yeah, so I picked this to try to, to get something different, and I tried to chase your interest in life after life that was the problem too this overlapped the time period and so when i was reading i was like i could be reading life after life if i wanted to cover this time period. <laughs> we just 
discussed that. We were yeah. discussing about the fact that we- anything that takes place in London over the Great War or World War II, I'm just going to compare it to life after life, and it's not going to come out favorably. So we were discussing the fact that we feel like you find a book in a genre that you love. You were discussing this fact. I was, yes. Well, you discussed with me, but I'm the one who brought I, it up. I, yeah, you said you it. I, I physically in the room. I was present physically in the room, and we were discussing aspects. I don't want you to think we sit and talk no, about no, you no, while no. you're not there. No, no, what I was going to say is, is when you find a book that you really like, you then find any book that doesn't meet or beat it lacking. And so I was like, yes, because it's yeah, it's good. So yeah, yeah. So we were, we were talking about the, the fact question, that you. The question that came up between the two of us when yeah. we were talking about this is, had it been a different book, would you then go back and read that book and it wouldn't have met the first book's expectations? So, for example, say because you like this kind of story, I, I'm not quite sure how this. But I don't like this kind of story. No, no, no. So what she's saying is, for example, um, We'll use Red, White, and Royal Blue. You love Red, White, and Royal Blue. Had you read a different male lover story with the exact same premise first, if it's a possibility that then you wouldn't have loved uh, Red, Red, White, White, and and Royal Blue Blue. as much because you would already have a standard set and it would be either too similar or not as good as that first read. Like, like... You know, when you read one thing... um, So, Life After... uh, Red, White, and... Royal I, blue after some other book obviously I, I would like red white and royal blue. well that's what so, we were discussing okay, so is whether or not that would actually would happen more along the lines of had you read the invisible life of Addie LaRue first would you have loved life after life as much no it was all back all flashbacks she hated that because of the structure of I know the but invisible you, life. Yeah. But you say know. it was a similar type of yeah. book when it's the, you know these these nihilistic things happening constantly <laughs> but anyway so we'll stop discussing you yeah, no we were just we were just trying to figure out what the parameters were for comparison for you because we do know that you find a book that you love and anything that tries to trip towards it if it's not there or above and beyond it it, it, it almost like it doesn't have a chance. <laughs> well, it doesn't. Um, I already have a good example to Yeah, you know, exactly. To compare to. Um, and so, yeah, as I was reading this, I was like, oh, this is going to feel too optimistic compared to Life After oh, Life. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, I, see, I would have thought. It's depressing and, like, just draining the whole time. Because, like, with Life After Life, obviously terrible things happen. But you know she can go, not necessarily go back, but it's like it starts over. And so she has a chance to make it better the next time around. This, it's like, no, you're trapped in a house for 30 years. You're never getting those years back. See, this All that is time is gone. So funny, because what you don't like about the toy makers that you say life after life does better, I feel the exact opposite. I feel like there is more progression in this than Groundhog Day style redoing your life I, I got to a point in life after life where i was like if she dies one more time i can't do it i can't do another death just to have to go through her entire life again for her to try and fix this situation particularly because there were so many situations where like she repeated the same scenario like six times before she got it right to well, totally nuts like, that was like the 18 the 1918 flu one was the most repetitive one. yeah so it but that was pretty early on so anyway <laughs> anyways but toy makers so you found it draining you didn't enjoy it did you like any of the characters uh, i guess i kind of like casper okay so, yeah 
We'll tend to what we're. I mean, we're all over the place on this. So uh, until normal. he came back, obviously, sensibly, he was affected by the war. So that made sense. But it was just um, at that point, it was just like that was when it was just became entirely depressing. Like there wasn't any good part of the, like light in the story. Um, and then he, uh, you know, disappears with little air quotes. Uh, Stupid fucking Emil. <laughs> Sorry, I had a... So he was the only character that I kind of liked, so then he disappears, you know, and it's like, well, okay, I guess I'll just read about these sub-characters. And, like, it's like, oh, life's terrible. Oh, we're getting bombed for, like, half a page. That's all you give to World War Two. Okay. Um, it's like, yep, that was 30 years, and then... Yeah. So, okay, so you liked Casper the most this, yeah. <laughs> yeah. of this book. What about you, Kim? It was. Favorite character? Oh, favorite character. I love the dog. Um, <laughs> the, the patchwork dog. The um, patchwork dog, yeah. He was awesome. What was his name? Serious. Serious, that's yeah. right. Yeah, you know, the dog. Um, this useless knowledge I'll have to keep in my head until I can get rid of it. What? That is Names the dog's name was Serious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, she can't do her book dump knowledge where she can replace it with another book yet because she has to talk about it, so. <laughs> uh, favorite character? I, uh, just say Emil. No, 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 <laughs> no. I hated Emil from minute, from sentence one about him. I No, I don't like Emil. I like not liking him. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say Casper was my favorite character, which is unusual for me because I love brother stories and I usually will take the one brother over the other brother um, I didn't take the one brother over the other brother I love Papa Jack mm-hmm. um, ex- yeah I mean every character had authentic flaws and I really liked that um, they also paired off against each other very well Yeah, because it's almost like in order to like one character at least for me like one character it tended had to do with their relationship to another character the interactions that they were having because like i liked martha i liked kathy i liked papa jack but at the same time like if i was just to pull the character and say i like that character and that's where i'm at right now did i like kathy yeah i like kathy but she wasn't a favorite character i would say uh, as a dynamic i liked the characters yeah um, so I wouldn't say there was a favorite character. Okay. The dog. I love the dog. <laughs> that dog was adorable. Oh, God. When he was found in the snow. I cried. I cried over the damn dog. I didn't cry over any other character. Yeah, I cried yeah. over that damn dog. Yeah, I, I think I teared up at that point, too, when she wasn't sure if she was going to get the dog back alive and Casper was gone. Particularly because I thought he had just made a breakthrough. Okay, so... Backtracking. Yeah, I was going to say, we've jumped now three quarters, if not more, in okay. the book. Okay, so, well, Let's... I mean, we're assuming people have listened or read. Um, but, okay, so it starts out with Kathy learning she's pregnant and her parents basically saying, okay, you're going to go to this nunnery to have your child. They'll just take your child away. And she gets to a point at 16 that she decides, I don't want to do that. And the reason for that is because... She sees in the newspaper a red circle around an advertisement for the Emporium. It'll later come to be found out that her father was the one who circled it yeah. to give her the option to run away. There was no magic in it. She thought for sure well, there was, was magic. magic in yeah. it. Yeah. And there was no magic in it. Which I kind of like is cute. I think is cute. Because I think it talks to the magic on all well, of it. But I think we'll it puts it there. into a ta- time frame also in that the father, because 
ostensibly fathers were not overly engaged in their children at that time. It was yeah. you work, you bring the money home, you then sit in your your den or whatever and, and you do your own thing. Um, and so he didn't really feel he had a choice in helping her and yeah. saying to the mother, yeah, she's she's going to have the baby and we're just going to deal with the social ramifications of it all. But yeah. instead, he... Showed her where to go without showing yeah, her where to go. Yeah, showed her where to go without showing her where to go. So, um... Did that bother you, Sarah? No. <laughs> have you checked out? Have you you said your piece and <laughs> that's it for... <laughs> I don't really have anything else to say, honestly. Um, okay, so you're just going to sit there and play on your phone while we talk. <laughs> Well, I will respond if you talk to me. Okay. (laughs) So when Sarah's quiet this episode, everyone understands why. She didn't like it. And as she's told us in the past, when she is not even hatred, but just indifferent, she just... Anything I say is just going to be shitting on it. And maybe I just don't want to be so negative all the time. Fair. Fair. That's, That's reasonable. Okay. So you like the fact that the father did it. I did too. So Kathy goes to the Emporium and she discovers how magical it is. It's like the place to go. Um, and in the process she meets the brothers Emil and Casper. Casper. And she works there. She lives there because they hire him on for the season because they're there from the first frost until the first snowdrop flower. Yeah. Um, then they close up for the season. That sort of thing. So she's there working. Um... And, and she has to meet Papa Jack. Yeah. She has to do an actual kind of an interview. Yeah. And he asked her the two questions, you know, um, do you feel lost? And um, I can't something about feeling the magic, I think. Yeah. 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 And he asked her those two questions. And she very much makes it clear as she's having the internal dialogue. She's answering the questions how she feels is the appropriate way to answer, not particularly the truth. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I liked about her character in progressing forward is she did really come from a place of cynicism and didn't, yeah. didn't, there was no Christmas magic for her that yeah. already existed. She had never been to the Emporium before. Yeah. And um, she had never experienced these toys. She did have magic with her sister. She did have magic within her family. Um, you know, as much as you can have magic and those sorts of things. She yeah. felt close to her family and, and this, her getting pregnant and her mother's reaction to it, her father's reaction to it, her sister's reaction to it. That was the first explosion of magic for her. That's, yeah, that's the, the first disruption. thing that disrupted her view of the world. Yeah. And then she ends up in this truly magical place. And, um, and she's out of her element. Yeah. Hard. You know what's funny is now that I think about those questions, Emil would have failed them. Yes. Yes. If he had ever been asked, asked. if he wasn't there by nepotism alone. Yeah. Um, he would have failed them. Yeah. Especially since he wouldn't have the social ability to actually do what Kathy did, which was lie. And that's, yeah. And that's one thing that you got to give Kathy credit for. She knows how to adapt to a situation. And she is adapts and adapts and adapts and adapts and adapts yeah. as everything that progresses forward for her. She is very adaptable. Yeah. Which I thought was beautifully written in the book because when it came to the ultimate, I'm going to adapt to a situation, she denied that ad- adaptation. Yeah. And we'll get to that eventually because you don't need to jump yeah. that forward again. But um, I felt that was a beautiful buildup in her character yeah. to finally get to the point where she was so committed to 
And I think it reflects very much how we are taught, the women of the time frame did, is they were told how things had to be done, and they adapted in order to survive Survive. and succeed. Not just survive, but succeed. Both American women and... Well, and, 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 you know, British women. I think one of the things that probably should be discussed in the book is how much this writer covered the time period. Mm-hmm. It's not just World War One. It's not just misogyny. Yeah. It's not just women's suffrage. suffrage. Yeah. It's not just war relations. It's not just uh ethnic relations it's it it, it covered all of this yeah but not in depth you didn't have to deep dive into it you didn't have to have it shoved down your throat it wasn't there to educate you it just was an aspect of that life things that were happening in in england at that time and it was affecting everybody yeah and so these are how it affected her or the brothers or not so much Papa Jack, because he was off. You know, he was always in his his work room. Well, I mean, he had the experiences he had before the Emporium right, right. that you know reflected some of that content, and and um, so we then get to the point where it closes for the season, but Casper doesn't want to make her. She doesn't know where she's going to go. Well, the boys she, at this point have come to the conclusion in their own minds, without ever actually speaking to anybody, she's probably pregnant. Yeah, and so. Emil wants her to stay, but... Doesn't know how to make it happen, yeah. but Casper, Casper, the older says, of the two brothers, says, here's the Wendy house, and the Wendy house is designed to magically be bigger on the inside. Um, stay here. Hide here. I'll make sure you have food. I'll make sure everything's fine. However, at the same time, his... He, I think the thing that's interesting is the thing that makes Casper fantastic for the Emporium is also one of his greatest flaws, because he is so magic oriented and so enchanted with trying to get that feeling in other people that it makes him forgetful of those around him. Yep. So he kept forgetting to go see her because he was too busy building new things, exploring the magic, trying to capture an element of childhood that would enchant a child. Um, while as Emil, who struggled to be able to do those things... Was well, able to. He didn't have a magical bone in his body. No, he had he, he no could, imagination. He, he could he could create the magic. Yeah, but he, could he? Well, the toy soldiers functioned as they were intended to function. Yeah. So let's 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 step away from all of that and let's discuss the magic because it's one of the things I really loved about how the explanation of magic and how it exists in this book, how it was explained. Because at first it's Kathy, and this is magical. There are toy horses running around this this store and they have to corral them and they have to you know contain them and there's battles going on over here and this and that and then slowly over time you learn that it's not that these things are happening it's that your mind is able to drop into the magic and you're sitting there playing with toy soldiers or riding a rocking horse um but in your mind, you're out on a field running as hard as you can on a horse, riding as you know fast. The winds in your hair, the smells are there, the everything. So it's not that these things were alive, but they were alive for you. It. So, I think the closest comparison we have to our real lives is like, say, going to Disneyland, where they create certain sounds, certain smells, smells yeah. certain feelings, perspective a certain way. Um, the, the clear implication is the Emporium has been constructed in such a way 
that lends to feeling the magic of um, the objects. So, and it's this really, it, it does walk that really weird line where is it magic or is it just imagination? Right. Uh, which I think is really cool. I don't, I mean, did you have any feelings about that or did that Negative annoy you? Ones. Negative ones. Negative ones? I, I didn't like the magic. I okay. Okay, you negative can, ones. You, you can you, say what you're, what you think. It's it's I don't okay. Know if I can articulate though the reasons why I didn't like it. Part of it is because it was so vague. It's like, is it magic? Is it not magic? Because I would think that people would have a much stronger reaction if there's actually a cloud castle floating by the ceiling and there's like animals running around that are practically alive and much more sophisticated, sophisticated than anything else that's available. But she just, like, is like, oh, it's magic, and she just takes it in stride. And it's like, so is it actually magical? But then obviously there's magical elements, because, again, Castle in the Sky, what, is it, like, attached to the roof? And, and nobody can see magic? the string. <laughs> and then, like, there's Casper, who is, like, in a box, in a box, in a box, in a box, in infinite space. We haven't gotten to that, yeah, yeah but yeah. Like, infinite food, somehow, in a place with no sunlight. Oh, no, they explained that. They did seeds and whatnot. But, yes, you're right, no sunlight. Oh, I water. agree. Sunlight. The- <laughs> and he made all of these worlds with like what like five scraps of felt that he started with it didn't make any sense so they explained where all the his supplies came from yes they did yes they did you want me, you want me to tell you there is not possibly enough supplies anywhere in that Wendy house to fill out but like the house is so as big girls. as you need it to be that's the magic it's it, she rolls her eyes I love it it's like oh it's just the magic is basically, it just does whatever you need it to do. For the well, okay, so the reality aspect of the Wendy house is that's where they put a bunch of storage of items. Right. He wasn't in there completely by himself. They, Emil put it in there when he was trying to recreate the toy soldiers after Casper had changed them. Um, and so it's a one-off line, and there's a lot of one-off lines on there that if you're reading it, but gradually, particularly by that point, and you're three quarters of the way through the book, and you don't okay, give a gotta, fuck about what's being said. Yep, <laughs> and then I can give it a star rating, and Amber will leave me alone. And yeah, but um, they do say that that he had brought in all of this, all of the supplies. He had stacked yeah. that entire just house with supplies. How far they go into the box? It just seemed like at a certain point he would have run out of supplies. Um, maybe he wouldn't have, but again, sunlight and water would have been. An he issue. did. He did manage to create rabbits that reproduced themselves. But they'd eat felt. Felt. So yeah. Where did all the felt come from? Like. Well, once the rabbits the die, they have more felt. <laughs> but then so, you don't increase your rabbit numbers. You just have one rabbit that eats, poops out another one, dies, and that one gets converted into felt, which yeah. that one eats. So you just have like two rabbits at most. Ultim- well, no, because the two rabbits create more than one. Well, not if the second rabbit makes a third rabbit by eating the first rabbit. You've just, again, <laughs> it's not like more. You do have a finite number of rabbits that you can make. It depends on how much felt or fluff or whatever right, it was exactly. that you start yeah, with. Okay, so where I agree with you completely is 30 years was too long. Yeah. But he was trying to encompass two world wars in this story. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. They, they, the supply problem was a problem because they it, it was clear there had to be supplies. Back when Papa Jack was coming back from whatever war, he was he was dealt with. He was picking up twigs and whatnot and shaping them into toys, um, and then imbuing them with magic and enchanting everybody around him. Um, so 
supply was a problem with the entire thing. They did talk about getting supplies in while they were working throughout the year. It seemed to be an endless amounts of wood. But then when the toy soldiers became alive, they were taking apart the how the building in order to create more of themselves. Um, so yeah, it's you know I, I, I don't disagree. Like magic at all? Yeah. So I'm kind of curious because you were discussing this. So did either of you ever have toys as a kid that you like? I don't know, like, interacted with them in a way that, like, made them feel more than toys for you? Do I need a, I can give an example, but... I can give an example, but then I have to say what you did to it. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I had... Okay, now... Mm, okay, I'll just leave it. Um, I had a cinnamon bear that I was given young enough that I don't remember getting it. Um, and I had that stuffed bear for, well... Literally, until Amber was, we were in Guam, three. Oh, the cockroaches again. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Different no. house, different oh. house. Um, the At second house that I mentioned. Post-cockroach. Post-cockroach house. Um, and I went into the playroom one day, and the interior of my bear was all over the playroom. And I turned around, and her dad was standing there, and he, he, he was just like, what do you want me to do? And I said, throw it away. And he said, are you sure we could probably restuff it? And I said, I'm done. I'll be back. And I literally went for a walk. I was, I was beside myself. But the magic of the bear when you were a child. The magic of the bear. Um, I love that bear. I, that bear went with me everywhere. I mean, it, it, I, did it go with me to college? How did the stuffing get outside the bear? She ripped, ripped the eyes myself. out and pulled all the stuffing out. <laughs> Through the eyes? Yeah. Through the, well, okay, you'd have to understand, I had this bear for a very long time and I played with it constantly. By the time she got a hold of it, I had sewn on terry cloth towels. I cut new eyes and it didn't have its original eyes anymore. Um, for those it, who, by the way, she now has replacement cinnamon bears. Um, because... This has been a thing. She managed to find some. She did manage to get them. Yeah. Um, Have you torn out the eyes? No, no. They're hidden from her. <laughs> the teddy bear not murderer. Ripped up the eyes. <laughs> and for anyone who's actually curious, there's actually a really cute, if old, dated radio show that you can find online of out the of, Cinnamon Bear. Out of Portland, Oregon. Um, and it is one of those old radio shows where, like, they would have multiple episodes and they would play an episode a night. And they had multiple all the Christmas people season. the different characters. Yeah. It, was a, it was something that happened in... in um, in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. Um, so. so anyway, but yes, yes, that bear was magical to me. Okay. And then, then to make matters worse, because these are my horrible, horrible stories, I had written my first poem about personification um, in high school about this bear, and my teacher gave me an A-plus on this poem that I wrote, which I didn't get A's very often in mm-hmm. school, not because I wasn't smart, but just because I very rarely wanted to perform for my teachers. And I got an A-plus on this one. And then one day I came home and my mother had thrown away all of my writing. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I had a wonderful okay. childhood. <laughs> so in less depressing examples. So what I was thinking of is, is I used to, as a child, I would be nervous at night to be in my room by myself. Like, I wonder why. It <laughs> <laughs> was an awful noise. I apologize. So... <laughs> I would, when I had a hard time going to sleep, 
Yes, it's referencing back to the fucking cockroaches. Her best um, toy was her flashlight. No. What I was about to say is when I would get uncomfortable, I would actually form a circle of stuffed animals around me when I was sleeping. Because as a child, I believed they would protect me from anything that would try to get at me in the bed. So I was curious if you just had experiences like that where you just believed your toys could do something or were going to do something because I would. And it was all around. I had enough stuffed animals that I put them in very specific situations. So I had an entire circle wrapped around me. Yes, this is why I still have giant body pillows say, on each side I of me. It's just switched from, uh, <laughs> from stuffed animals, animals to, to body, body pillows. pillows. But yes, I have a need to be surrounded so I can burrow into bed. Again, yeah, we wonder why. Nothing has attacked you since, so obviously it's working. I, you know, don't doubt the system. The cats make it even better because yeah. they sleep around me in a circle too. And like, they're actually alive and will kill anything that attempts yes, to crawl into yes. bed with you. Occasionally Dove, our Great Dane, goes up on the bed with me and she's fantastic because she growls when she's not sure that something is safe. Um, but, so I used to have a circle of toys so and I believe... let's get to the end of this. Did you have anything like that? Uh, I mean, I was attached to quite a few of my toys as a child. But there was no personification of them. You didn't ever, like, treat them as, like, if they were real, like, interacting with you, like... Well, if there's a Toy Story, I was, I was like, are they alive? They're not looking? <laughs> we all. Yeah, yeah, I, was like, I was an adult, no. <laughs> <laughs> really? Not even a little flip no. out? <laughs> no. However, she did love playing around with... Because my brother loved Toy Story. She did love teasing him that maybe it was true, and occasionally... A few of us would wander into his room when he wasn't in there and move toys around just to see what kind of reaction he would get. Um, sadly, the magic has left my brother, and I don't know that he would ever care. So you can't still do that now? No, no. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, so you, you, I mean, other than Toy Story, you didn't, like, have, like, a specific toy that you, like, believe would protect you or, you know... Was your go-to when you needed emotional or love. magic in your or life magic. no okay okay so we can see why amber and kim related to this book just a little bit better a little bit differently but that's what that's that's what i liked about the magic in the book was the fact that it was imagination that it yeah. was at first you thought it was real magic real yeah magic i'm saying in air quotes there that he was actually making these toys come to life um, and then you find out, I can't even remember exactly what happened that you find out it's, oh, she gets on the hobby horse at some point. And, yeah. I can't remember what it was. And well, she, I, I, she had about... a discussion with Papa Jack and he kind of was like, it's not real magic. Um, but he didn't say that it's not, he, he called it, I can't remember what he called it, but he was talking about it being childhood magic and recapturing it. Yeah. And that's when I realized it wasn't real magic, mostly because he was explaining how it saved him because he could get people to have that emotional reaction when he was in the prison marching to Russia. I, I wasn't sure exactly what that was in reference to. He um, was going out to Siberia. Oh, Siberia. Okay, sorry. Yeah. It, 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 I know it was he sorry. he was accused of... He had a printing press. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. He had a prison. Yeah. Treason, yeah. And, and so, yeah, he was sent to Siberia to do so his whatever way, it is they did in Siberia. His way Later to... until they die. Yeah to relate to the other prisoners was to remind them of their childhood so that they wouldn't want to harm him. And then that's what he made his living off of. It's just reminding people of what it means. One, inspiring children to have that magical sensation and reminding 
parents what it was like, which is why when he dies, oh, that was the part that also made me cry was when he died. Um, the failure is because Casper has lost his magic and Emil never had it. So they can't get... Well, okay, Emil had it to an extent, but uh, if, it, if it were a comparison, I would say, and don't take this the wrong way, but... And, and Sarah is more of an Emil. Fuck There's, you. I knew you would say that. But I mean more in the sense that you had toys and you had toys you enjoyed and you had toys that you related to, but they were not alive for you. Whereas Amber had toys that were very much alive for her. And that would it be was more my protective ring. Yeah, that was more of a Casper sort of look on things. He, Casper had an innate ability to tap into and stick attached to that childhood thing. Emil never did, but he was able... He learned Man, enough. Man, that analogy from... continues because I still try to inspire like magicalness and capture childhood memories and like my nephew. You know, I, I try to make things special for him and exciting. And you're like, why, why would I do something like that? <laughs> I don't like whimsy. I know you don't. <laughs> Okay, totally random. I did my Spotify wrap up and the two words I got to describe my aura when it comes to music is spooky and whimsy. Nobody is surprised by this. (laughs) I know. I was like, those are the most two perfect words words in the world to describe me. Spooky whimsy. So um, anyway, I'm not comparing you to a meal. I'm talking about the fact if you were to compare the way we're viewing this book. If only because you would not try to take your brother's wife. I mean, that's, that's definitely true. <laughs> that was a random... I mean... Emil? That's what he tries to do. I, I mean, know, he desperately wants Kathy from it. He would also say that I would not trap my sibling in a plate, like a tomb for 30 years. I mean, I would assume so, but I don't really know your relationship to your siblings to like 110% confirm that that isn't a thought that hasn't crossed your mind when they piss you off. Uh, it is not. Okay, so we, I can now make that assumption, but I, I didn't want to assume that you would not contemplate locking your siblings in a room, at least for an hour. I would be more likely to lock myself in a room for that long to escape. <laughs> fair, fair. So, but I, I didn't want to make assumptions about you in that regard, because, you know. I didn't want to assume you weren't a crazy neighbor person. No, I didn't want to assume that you aren't capable of having He's a cruel a streak. He didn't murder his brother. He could have died, though, very easily, and no one would have oh, known. He, if it hadn't been figured out, he would have been died. He would have died had it not been figured out. Okay. So he so, was murdering his brother. He just wasn't doing it directly. Yeah. So to clarify, we keep talking about this, so let's just get to it. So Casper goes off to war in World War One because Emil has a heart murmur and can't go himself, even though he wanted to. Um, so Emil is bitter about that. He's bitter about the fact that Kathy picks Casper and marries him. Um, and then Casper comes back and because he's dealt with the shocks of war, he clearly has PTSD and he struggles to find himself again, which unfortunately makes Martha, which is Kathy's daughter and Kathy struggle to figure out how to have a relationship with him again. And just as her and Casper are about to finally truly progress forward again as husband and wife, Emil shoves Casper into the Wendy house. Well, let's be more specific about that. Just as Papa Jack 
passes. Is about to pass. He goes and has a con- finally has a conversation with his son that he, Kathy had asked him to have several years prior. And and reminds his son one more time that you need to remember that you're a child. Yeah. And that's the underlying theme when it comes to Ka- Ka- uh, 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 Casper. No, Emil. Papa Jack. Oh, Papa Jack. Um, is is the connection to childhood. Yeah. Um, and remembering where you came from, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he dies. And then that helps Casper come forward a little bit, but he hasn't really gotten there. But he decides to try to heal. Yeah. Um, and then him and Kathy have sex one last time. And then Kathy gets up in the morning and he's gone. Kathy finds the dog in the snow for the first time since the boys were little. Yeah. He hasn't been wound up. He hasn't, the toy hasn't been wound up. And um, Kathy works on it, works on it, works on it. And finally, you know, manages to catch it. And she manages... Yeah. But she thinks the dog has died. Um, and there's a note. Yeah, there's from a goodbye Ca- note. From and Casper don't, saying, don't, yeah. yeah, don't come look for me and all that kind of stuff. Comes to find out he's actually in the Wendy house the entire time that's been boarded up because Emil was using it as his secret base to make more soldiers after the soldiers no surrendered. come out of the Kathy house, so they couldn't have known what he was doing in there. Yeah, but so they didn't know Casper was in there. We then go through the point of Martha walking, leaving, because she's finally 20-something, 27. 29 or 29, yeah. yeah. It, was a, it was an outrageous age. I'm like, why are you still at home? But again, the, World War One, World War Two, their lives were completely disrupted. Yeah. To, so to sit there and stay at home for, you know, until you're 29 years old, um, kind of probably not outside the realm of reality as far yeah. as... Well, and she didn't want to leave her mother alone because yeah. her mother had lost well, her I husband. Think, I, and I think she knew her uncle was not a good guy and she yeah. knew she would be leaving her mother there and that her mother would never leave there. Yeah. Um, so Martha then goes and has her own kids. Mary's Kathy. an American of all things. <laughs> How could she? Um, and so Emil and Kathy continue to try to make the Emporium work, but Emil never has the ability to evoke the emotional, magical reaction that Casper and particularly Papa Jack could inspire in others. So slowly the Emporium dies. It just deteriorates. Deteriorates. They can't. He can't. He any. The other thing is Emil was not equipped for the financial ramifications of actually running a business. Mm-hmm. He just just. But see, I don't, I don't think there was ever any financial rent. I mean, I mean, I guess yeah. Papa Jack was paying the bills and doing all of that. Yeah. But they, they, they were so prolific in what they did. They could work for a few weeks in December or what? First Frost would be, what, October? Yeah. Maybe November. November. I think they said the yeah. November 19th was the latest it yeah. ever opened. And then till sometime in January when these special flowers bloom. Um and they that they survived on that income for the entire year. Yeah. They did nothing else. The boys didn't go work outside of the emporium. They worked on toys throughout the rest of Which the year. Which there was there was implication that they it, it was successful but that it was a small margin of profit. Yeah. Um it was just enough margin of profit. Well, if the frost came late, they, they things got grim, but I don't know how yeah. much of that was cuz Emil was in charge for those first couple of years and things were beginning to get grim. No, there was references when Pop Jack was still there that Okay. Whenever the guy would come for the ledger, that it, they were just 
barely letting it pass. And the implication was kind of that the guy who used to run it well, I also had an think, emotional reaction. I to also think the uh, implication on that was that Papa Jack was wearing down and the boys were not really equipped to pick up. Yeah. Yet. Um, so, yeah. So then the Emporium is closed. And Kathy goes to live with Martha with her kids because they happen to be moving back because Martha got a really good job. And she's going to help take care of them. Because Martha became a master of languages. And this yeah. is one of the big tie-throughs that I really enjoyed with this. And we've kind of avoided the toy soldiers. We've mentioned that we've yeah. kind of avoided the, the long war in... Or not avoided. We just haven't, we haven't I was addressing what we were yeah. keep referencing and haven't done. So then we find out that... Which uh, the the scene in the box when Emil tries to make a move on Kathy while there is a bombing. <laughs> that was that was that was I was I would have thrown the book across. Well, not my Kindle, Kindle but, but yeah, across the room had she gone to him. Had, yeah, because there were so many times throughout all of these years that she could have gone to him. And chose him, yeah. Either over Casper or in spite of Casper, in and even though he was married, he was still making moves on her. He was, oh, he was a disgusting human being. I knew Emil was going to be a problem when he went to go dig up the snow drops in order to close the season early. Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, you are a selfish little son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um. Anyway, I don't remember what I was going to say. So you go forward. So yeah, that 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 scene was oh yeah rough. But she did. She denied him. Yeah. She she chose Casper once again over mm-hmm. him, and that's that was a big thing. It was is I wasn't sure that last time because it had been so long that Casper had been gone. Well, and and I will say that the nice thing was the way that Dinsdale went about writing it is Kathy had an affection for Emil. It just wasn't the kind of affection that Emil wanted. She saw him as a brother. Yeah, I was going to say, she had an affection for her husband's brother. Yeah. But but it was written in such a way that you did get to that moment and go, Ooh, in, she her, might, she might. in her loneliness, will she turn to the closest proximity that she has to her husband because yeah. she was abandoned think, for so long. I think, that I th- I, and, and yes, in ret- at the moment, I was like, shit, she might do this and I'm not going to be a happy camper. Um, but I think... All of the the descriptions from Kathy's perspective that she gave of Emil, she made him very brutish. Yeah. Whereas Casper was very, um, I'll, I'll say genteel, for yeah. lack of a better word. Um, and and she very much saw the difference between the two. And so I think it was it was pretty. It, had I paid attention to those descriptions in the time rather than retrospect, I think it was pretty clear she was never going to choose him. Yeah. Um, but there was a there was a fear, a legitimate fear for it, yeah. and not because I don't know. Did you feel like there was legitimate fear for it? I was worried about it the whole time. Well, up until a point where it turned out he was like the whole villain thing. <laughs> yeah, but like I was worried about it from the start because it's like it's a common thing in the books where like the guy who pines after the girl eventually gets her. Yeah, yeah, like, and and it's not something that's unheard of in it, it, throughout history to where. The brother goes off to war and dies, and the other brother then takes on the love of the brother's life. Um, it's kind of a theme in brother's stories. Yeah. What There was something recently that I watched that I can't remember now, and um, she actually leaves with the brother. 
What was that in? Do you know what I'm talking about? No? Okay, so sorry about that. We need to take a quick break. Um, so kind of picking up on where we left off, not quite making a slight transition here. So kind of a key thing to discuss about a meal is the soldiers, particularly because it reflect affects both. I think it's a reflection of who Emil is, and then it also affects his and Casper's relationship. I, I think the toy soldiers is, is the one thing that Emil could cling to from his childhood and that yeah. was because for whatever reason and it wasn't very explained very well in order to keep Emil going entertained while Papa Jack was first setting up the business and he was busy all the time Casper started the long war yeah and that was toy soldiers fighting each other between Casper and Emil yeah and Casper just defeated him and defeated him and defeated him and defe- defeated him and it became Emil's driving aspect of his entire life to cre- it was to create a toy soldier that or a group of toy soldiers that could defeat Casper's yeah. toy soldiers um, and then it progresses to Casper goes off to war and in order to for lack of better words profit on the war, Emil then introduces the long war to yeah, the entire world. Yeah, makes it a game. Um, which in the end, Casper comes back and is just because for he, suddenly horrified. they weren't toy soldiers anymore. They were representations of the people that he fought alongside and that he watched die. Literally, one of the workers from the Emporium oh, had a his bunch head. Of them. Well, no, there yeah. was one that had his head blown off. And his brain matter scattered, splattered all over yeah. Casper's face. And then he comes back and is watching children. And at first when this all came about, I thought, this is actually pretty cool because it's giving children the ability to find an identification with their missing father. Yeah. And and um, and in a way to act out safely what their fathers were going through. Um and then it was clearly not going that way. It was clearly becoming much more of a battle. Well, and I, I think the big thing that happened is at a certain point, Emil stopped making it just wooden soldiers, and there were cannons, and there was yes, weapons. And, and it was a reflection of World War One and the fact that we went from very simplistic fighting techniques to suddenly there is mustard gas. Yeah. And there are tanks and... And Casper came back, and this wasn't the war that he and Emil used to fight, which was just soldiers, soldiers. against each other. Yeah. yeah. Suddenly, it was too much of a reflection, and it was causing PTSD. And Emil could not understand why that was a problem. Okay, so this is going to lead me to say, because I had said that I yeah. might not talk about this, um, but I'm going to then. So we're we got to compare the reactions of the three characters. Mm-hmm. And the three different wars that they encountered. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about Papa Jack. Um, one, I got the impression that the time frame for the family was much longer ago. Yeah. And that Papa Jack's... It wasn't so much a war. Like you said, he was he was a prisoner. He was sent off to Siberia. He did fight of some sort. Uh, they, they were very superficial, um, I think. I'm not sure if a specific war was ever mentioned. Yeah. Um, it, it was probably a Prussian war. That's coming in my head now. So it was probably something to do with Germany or what used to be Prussia. Um, And conflict between 
uh, Russia and and Prussia. But when soldiers went off to war in those times, they had to decide to return home because yeah. their country wasn't bringing them home. And so they marched home, either individually or as a group, and that progression helped them heal. That time spent together as a group mm-hmm. dealing with their PTSD, which wasn't even acknowledged, but they did as soldiers acknowledged it. It just was not acknowledged at home. Um, so then we go to World War One, and this is where Casper's at, and it's a much more bloody war. It's it's there's there is stronger implements, as you said, yeah. mustard gas, and their return home was not as fast as it is these days, but it was still much faster than Papa Jack went through. It took Papa Jack years to come home. It took uh, Casper months, years to come home, a couple of years. Uh, no, it was a year he was in the hospital. Right. And so uh. there was this time frame where they could recover mentally, physically, this whole process, and they were kept together as soldiers. Um, and then, meanwhile... Emil's going through the condemnation of his country because he didn't fight. Um, and that's just another aspect of it all. But if we go then go forward to the wars that are fought now and the soldiers that come home, they're home in hours. Yeah. And they're put in their homes with their families who have no comprehension of what they've gone through. Whereas if they would set up a process to bring them home from battle to where they all stayed together and they healed together they would we would probably have fewer problems fewer suicides fewer homeless veterans now than we did say then um because there would have been more of a healing process rather than being dumped back into reality which is so outside the scope of their actual reality yeah and i thought that was a really interesting aspect of all of this um, I can't remember where this came from. My brain is scattered today. It's okay. I was I was actually trying to see if I could find because I know that the first Kathy was at the Emporium in 1906, and I think Emil was 18. He might have been 17, so that puts it about 1888 that um, Papa Jack was taken from the family because he knew he didn't know his wife was pregnant with Emil. He knew. Oh, did he yeah, know? He yeah, he knew that there was a baby on the Oh, yes, okay. Yes, yes. So, so I was trying to see what was going on at that time frame, and there was just a lot of disruption, at least in Russia, because um, Alexander Third took over in 1881 and passed away in 1894. Um, so there was just a lot of disruption the in Seven Russia. Seven Years' War. No, that was in Great... That was between Prussia and Great Britain. Russo-Prussian alliance... Russia and the Franco-Prussian War of 1870 to 71. That's probably... So that's too early. No, that's too early. 1888 is what... Again, I don't know that time passes the same... It did. We, we were given a strict timeline in terms of that. Papa Jack. We know em- Emil was 18. No, you're guessing Emil was 18. He's, I know he was 17 to 18. I know he was a year... Younger than Casper, and Kathy said that they were older than she was. They do give their ages. Yeah. Specifically okay. Book. I just don't yeah. remember if it was. So it was roughly in the late 1880s that Papa Jack's situation happened where he was taken away. Um, yeah, I didn't really get the sense that he was in a 
battle, though. He was just no, no, no. I, prisoners. I, now, he could have been in the battle beforehand, and then yeah. he went back home. Well, that's why I was trying to figure out. Press. It looks like what it is is that there was a lot of unrest, political mm-hmm. counter-reform mm-hmm. from 1881 to 1894 because Alexander III took over after his father was assassinated in 1881. So it's that unrest was just present, which is building to everything that happens in Russia from then on out into the early 1900s that eventually leads to, you know, the complete destruction of their monarchy. Anyway. So. um, The specifics of that is not what I was going into. No, no, I know. But I was trying to see if I could find context to, like, give some insight as to what it is exactly that Papa Jack experienced beyond he was trying to print possibly treasonous pamphlets in this time frame that got him put into a prison camp, prisoner, uh, prison camp of some sort, and then marched off to Siberia and then back. Um, I was going to say something to what you had said and I now suddenly can't remember what it was. My brain is not... <laughs> um it, it like it's gone. I was thinking something and I was gonna say something because I was listening to you while I was doing it. And I lost it. I lost whatever I was going to say or agree with on what you were saying. I cannot remember it. Okay. Okay. So we'll just let it go. Um what I find interesting is I think the one thing that I, I, okay, I hate a meal, but I don't hate a meal. And the reason for that is because he very much addresses that struggle for people to not understand what it means to go to war. Yeah. He just felt like he was a letdown. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm almost mad that he ended up with Nora as his wife. Yeah. Oh, is it Nina? I thought it was Nora. Is it Nina? Okay, Nina then. Sorry, I'm just getting names mixed up. Um, because she marches up to him, shames him, mm-hmm. and it's like he could not make right choices. This is someone who made an assumption about you, and then you fall in love with her because she's so pro-war. And that's the thing, is she was so pro-war. And then she's mad because clear he was never going to live up to her expectations. Not that he, like had great goals in life, but like... Well, if we can, if we contrast Kathy and the yeah. fact that Kathy never changed for Casper. Yeah. Whereas she, being Nina, yeah. pretended to be somebody else. Yeah. For him. Yeah. But she wanted the magic, but she wanted, she wanted, and, and it's actually because I, I, I looked it up, the white feather thing. Uh-huh. Um, it, it, it was a thing. Yeah, um, I, I, I kind of assumed it was. The White Feather Girls. Women's Militarism. Militarism. In the UK. Yeah. Anyway, this this article was really interesting to read because um, it, it actually, it, it talks about how the women's suffrage movement was going on at this time. Yeah. And then there came about a group of very militant women who were literally running around handing anybody they felt was not participating in the war and handing them white feathers to shame them publicly. Yeah. Um, And then we can go forward and compare it to how women are responding to being um, 
proponents of the Republican Party and how to most people that seems in contrast to their own benefits. Yeah. Um, and so it's a very interesting article that I read. Um, if we did postings of things, I would say you should post this article because it's very interesting. It's if you paper. send it to me, I might be able um, to. So. But yeah, it, it, it's the White Feather Girls and they, they did these horrible things and they often didn't do know. research short. Yeah, they yeah. didn't know. And, and so she, and they kind of, the writer kind of, you know, for, forgave Nina and said it was the ants and she yeah. was just following. And again, if we're writing this in modern times, which he is because he just wrote this recently um, and he's kind of giving it the lens of what's happening in the United States today and how people are responding to or each other. Great Britain with Brexit, yeah. you know. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's an interesting take on the fact that often people don't do make choices that would actually reflect their best needs. And so, I, and that's one of the things I really enjoyed about this book was the fact yeah. that many aspects of what was written in this book can obviously be looked at the lens of modern times, even though it was written. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I feel, I, I agree. And yeah, I just, I feel like Emil, she, she was so mad at him for not being what she wanted him to be, mm-hmm. but she made assumptions about him from the very get go. Mm-hmm. And then he was just too busy wishing to have a Kathy yeah. that he wouldn't take the time to recognize that this was not a Kathy. Right. Well, he was happy that she was engaging in the magic. Yeah. And Kathy engaged in the magic. And, yeah. And he knew he was never going to get Kathy, even if he always tried for Kathy. Yeah. And so, you know, he, he went for the next best thing. And then she gave him sons. And, and that was enough to... Uh, Bye, Sarah. To get her, you know, to get him engaged. So, yeah. Um, and then she, he couldn't live up to her expectations. But it's not that he couldn't. He was trying to. And I think had Casper not come back from war and then full on altered his soldiers so that they're actually pacifists and conceding these toy soldiers walk up, drop their weapons and shake hands. No explanation how he managed to do that, but he yeah. did. Yeah. Um, magic. Magic. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's, it, you know, as soon as Casper took control again, and, and she was pushing, she was pushing, you're going to inherit this, you're going to make this the biggest em- enterprise on the planet. Uh, you mean Nina? Yeah, Nina yeah, was pushing, pushing Emil. Uh, Emil into yeah, okay. this, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. Our kids are going to be rich. We're going to have all these amazing things. She wouldn't allow the simple life, even within the Emporium. They had yeah. to have this you know, group of rooms that were dedicated to their family, yeah. whereas the family always did everything together, something yeah. that was never done anymore. She was altering the entire fabric of what yeah. the Emporium was. Um, and then when Casper came back and managed to uh, undermine everything she was doing, she she left. She took yeah. the boys and left. Took the twins and left. So the other thing I find interesting is... I think the dog is just... Oh, he's losing it. Um, the other thing that I find interesting is that the best part of a meal was the Capitan. Yeah. And yet, I, I, yet I, who was the one that saved the day? The Capitan. Yep. I, I feel like that is the, like, like the peak. And I almost... And it, they were hint, it was read, hinted throughout, throughout. He oh, could yeah. never make a soldier as good as... The Capitan. And he made the Capitan because K- 
Kathy motivated him too. Yeah. So again, it wasn't a meal. No. It was Kathy. Yeah. Um, I do love that the Capitan, you know, showed her where to go and I used her kids, her grandkids. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that we got an entire section from the Capitan's point of view. Yeah. We got to watch how he got from one place to the next and then just wound down at the last second, but happened to fall forward into her endless bag. Well, and he actively was trying to save Casper. Yeah. Which makes me, uh, part of me is like, why couldn't Emil actively want to save his own brother? It's almost like adulthood hindered his ability to be his brother's comrade. So, did any of that interest you? Did you feel any of that? Or were you just like, I just want to get the book done at that point? (laughs) Or did it annoy you to be from the soldier's point of view? I suppose that point in the book was the only part where I was like, oh, this is interesting. Um, But also at the same time, it's like, well, at first I thought they were going to find Casper Long dead. So I was like, oh boy. And then it was like, oh, he's actually alive. That means he's been stuck there for 30 years. Then I just got mad on okay. Casper's behalf. Um, <laughs> oh, I was mad on Casper's behalf too. I was I was like, fucking Emil. <laughs> but you know what I found interesting in, in being mad at, on Casper's behalf? Casper knew he was there. He knew he was stuck. He knew the components of the Wendy house. He knew he wasn't going to be heard. He knew he wasn't going to get out. And so he just embraced what Papa Jack had told him, and that's live your life. And and you know you're gonna you're gonna. So let me clarify. I was mad on Kathy's behalf of what she lost. Okay. Let me be yeah. fair. I was yeah. actually mad. I say I was mad on Casper's behalf, but really it was what was but, taken but from Casper and Kathy. Made Casper actually returned to himself. Yeah. The, the isolation and, and the the long the rediscovery. Term and he was like just on the precipice of healing too when he got trapped down there in the yeah, first place. No, so I, like, I agree. But but So it's like if he hadn't been stuck in there, he could have found his own way back. He could have and they probably would have saved the Emporium, but that wasn't what was going to happen with the Emporium. The Emporium yeah. was doomed to die. Um which is probably a commentary on the loss of innocence and, from yeah, the war, wars, world yes, wars. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's an underlying theme through the entire thing, um, which is very, very clear. But, um, but I, as soon as they were going into, and I'm like the toy box, the toy box, the toy box. I knew the original toy box was in there. I knew then he was alive. I knew they weren't going to find him dead. Yeah. Um, I knew he was going to figure out how to how to live his life. Mm-hmm. And there were even implications when he first got locked in there where he, he started talking about how Papa Jack in his brain was reminding him to, you know, remember. How to find your sanity. Quotes, yeah, it's one of my quotes is, you know, just remember. Let's well, no perfect segue. Do your quote then. Oh, okay. Because I think we're I think we're getting close to yeah, wrap up yeah, points, no, so I'm let's good. let's share your quote. I'm good. My quote. Well, actually, I have two. But okay. the one I'm talking about is a toy. No, no, no. That's one. Most terrible things that can happen to a man, but he'll never lose himself if he remembers he was once a child. Um, page one sixty one. I wrote down my page numbers because that's been a thing. <laughs> but um, I, I that that to me is the overlying theme. Is and so many adults lose their connection to childhood and, and the experiences they had as children. The, the the blissfulness of, of Christmas and the and those you know I remember 
every time my mom would stop bringing the, the Christmas gifts out, I'd be running up and down the hall. I was excited. And, and I love that. And I always wanted to, to recreate that feeling for my kids. And both my daughters are in the room. And do we love Halloween? Yes. yes. And do we love Christmas? Yes. yes. <laughs> so, you know, it was just something I wanted to instill in my children. So, and then um, I actually have three quotes. I really like this book. Um, my second one is a toy cannot save a life, but it can save a soul. I really liked that quote. Okay. Did you have one more? It's long. Okay. Well, I'll do mine then. So I ha- liked the quote. Uh, most of the time it wasn't husbands or wives or monsters or villains. Most of the time you were running away from that little voice inside your head. The one telling you to stay where you are, that everything will be all right. Well, that so speaks to your toys in surrounding you while you sleep. Well, but this is talking about, like, taking the risk of progression and stuff. <laughs> but it also talks to staying still. Yeah. And the, the delusion that if you hide under the covers, the boogeyman ain't going to get delusion. you. Delusion. Wow. I was a child, but I was apparently delusional. <laughs> What's your last quote? Uh, never forget. Once upon a time, those men played with toys, too. And that's where... And that's where, I don't know if it was, I would have to look, because I have the page number, but I would have to look what was going around it. I just pulled up my It's something my Papa book. Jack said to yeah. Kathy. Right. Was it? Yeah, yeah. He He's explaining, because she was asking why the other prisoners, like, were so protective of him and stuff. And, and he said, never forget. What did you think of the, the toy that took uh, the, the wind-up thing? Wind-up. The Papa Jack's wind-up toy that took her into the, his history oh, and told that story. I thought that was cute. And then, what did you think of Casper's in his in his um, very bad days, creating a very different version of? Yeah, I, of that I, toy? I, I think it showed that they were at different points in understanding how reflection of the past should be. Uh, Casper was trying to escape into it and. Papa Jack was trying just simply to remember and understand. So. Oh, it was in the, okay, it was in the, um, it was when they were writing back and forth in the, in the, the diary. Yeah. Um, I looked it up because I, yeah. stop, Ronan. Um, okay. So, I think the first one is ease of reading. Actually, or... did you have a quote, Sarah? No. No? Okay. Ease of reading. Oh, was it ease of reading or is it? How exciting. Oh. How exciting! Oh, how exciting did you find it, Sarah? One. Okay. Five. Same here. Five. Three, four, five. Yeah. And then it's ease of reading. Four. Yep. Four. Oh, okay. Five. Yeah, I found it. Five. There was one sentence, and I didn't. I didn't take note of it. There was in this entire book, which is four hundred and thirty-nine pages. Um, I think maybe longer. Four eighty. Well, no, that's what it told me on Goodreads, but I think it was less than that. Right. Um, there was one sentence where I was. Because typically, sentence structure will, will make me go, why did they choose to write it this way? There was only one sentence where I went back and read it several times to oh, figure okay. out if there were variations on how it could be emphasized throughout the sentence. And when you only have me doing that once in a book, you're, you're, doing, you're writing really, really well. So ease of reading was, was a fun thing. And then emotional reaction. Yeah. What was your emotional reaction? Uh, I started to give it two, but then I changed it to 1.5. Okay. Five. Five. Yeah, me too. I, I mean, it made me cry. It made me angry. Emotional reactions warrant a five. Um, any anything else? Or I guess overall rating. Sorry, my brain's flooping. A one. A one. Okay. Not a one point five. 
Did you back down to a one? It was two for most of the time. And then just like everything that happened with the 30 years, I was like, no. You know, we never discussed the end. What does it matter? They find Casper and then they like keep building worlds. They move out into the country and they... Yeah. I loved it. You're like, what does it matter? I love it. They're going to be dead in like 10 years apparently. (laughs) Okay, so what was your star rating? Five. Okay. And mine was a 5.2. Um, Not a 5.2, a 5. Five also, also, yes. <laughs> Gotta have some joy out of this. <laughs> All right, then. So on that note, the next time we will be talking about The Cloud Roads by Martha Wells. Our intro and outro music is by Grant Newman and is called The Battle of the Nile from Epidemic Sound. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to Bookpile Banter on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, or whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you on any of our social media platforms, such as Instagram or TikTok. You can find us at book underscore pile underscore banter. You can also email us at bookpilebanter at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Oh, and Merry Christmas, because this is coming out just before Christmas. So, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You turned it off. I didn't turn it off. There we go. (laughs)